Good evening and welcome back to the 30th edition of the It's Not Orange podcast and tonight we'll be discussing a frustrating league defeat for the Seasiders and looking ahead to the home game versus Bristol Rovers on Saturday and we'll touch upon the 3-0 win midweek against Forest Green. But first and foremost, let me introduce you to our first guest and making his debut on the pod. It is James. How are you doing, buddy? I'm really good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm looking forward to discussing things Blackpool with a, with a new guest on the pod. Um, and talking of a new guest, um, we also have uh, my co-host, Martin. How you doing, buddy? I'm all right. I thought you were going to say old guest. You'd be right on both no. counts. I can't, I can't <laughs> believe this is 30 podcasts. Or, or I mean, I haven't yeah. done all of them. I missed a few recently, but 30 is unbelievable. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Hello, everybody. And, and uh, hi, James. It's all well. nice to speak to you, mate. And you, thank you. Yes, mate. Uh, just was it? Uh, just nearly halfway through the season and thirty episodes. It's obviously um, a few talking points pre-season and some uh, free weeks that we spoke about different things. But it's, it's been so enjoyable. I didn't realise we're on thirty until sort of I started writing the script tonight. But um, it's, it's been a joy so far. And unlike Blackpool, fairly consistent pods. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll start by introducing you, James, mate. Tell us a little bit how you support Blackpool. Um, so through my my dad really so he he grew up up there um and supported blackpool all his life uh, i've never actually lived uh, up up in lancashire so my dad moved down south um that's where i've always lived but i've always supported blackpool because he did uh, i go to a few away games i go to the very occasional home game when i go up there um but yeah supported them all my life and love it yeah, a bit like me, really. I live in Ipswich and Colchester and, and support Blackpool in my life as well, due to my dad as well. But um, fantastic club to support with, with incredible fans, of course. That's why it sticks. But we'll talk about those uh, incredible fans because over 600 made the trip to Cambridge on Saturday, Martin. Um, a couple of changes within the, the Blackpool ranks. Um, still uh, a side you'd expect to sort of give Cambridge a good game. So we'll, we'll go with the lineup: Grimshaw, Hubby, Connolly, Pennington, uh, Lyons, Carey, Norburn, Dembele, Hamilton, Beasley and Rhodes. Um, Beasley obviously maintaining his place up front. We'll talk about potentially some changes. I'm looking forward to Saturday. But the surprise um, exclusion was, of course, that one of Kenny Dougal. Yeah. And obviously it was disappointing to see Kenny not in the lineup. Um, and then it was even more bizarre to hear the reason why afterwards that it wasn't anything. I thought it was just automatically assumed he was injured. It wasn't an injury. Just simply got rested. And then also got rested in midweek as well. So I don't know. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I'm a bit concerned about that. Um, so it was a big loss. And as it proved, huge loss in our midfield. And and uh, his his replacement uh, didn't really step up. Yeah, James, um, talk to me about how you felt about his exclusion. Because if uh, there's some random, obviously, rumours going about that he potentially signed for a different club. Who knows? It seems a bit silly at this point, but with January looming, rumours will be everywhere. But in terms of Critchley saying he's been rested, I mean, the player the, the, the player himself, um, obviously in the form of his life, a man possessed in the, in, in the recent weeks and potentially argue over the last month and a half, a key point in our team. And if Critchley's resting him, I don't, I don't see Dougal sort of player to maybe say I need to be rested when he's looked fitter and sharper than he ever has been. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because he has he has been really good the last few games. Um, I guess Umberfield is quite strong overall. Um, so you, you would think it would be okay to rest Dougal for maybe one game, potentially against opposition that aren't in the top half of the table. Uh, you, you think you might get away with it. But um, 
it, it didn't really work. Dougal's been good recently, and I think he, he probably would have improved us uh, last weekend. Yeah, for me, he makes our team in recent weeks, and without that centre point in our midfield, we look we look lost, and we 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 showed that Martin didn't we in the in the first few weeks of the season where we didn't really have an identity in the middle, and that certainly showed against the Cambridge side under Neil Harris, who we were well organised to some extent, um, but I, I I thought they were fairly vulnerable in the first sort of fifteen minutes, and Mart, I thought we we started fairly well. Um, when did the goal come about? It was about twenty five minutes in. You could argue for the first fifteen. 20 minutes um, especially in the first five we moved the ball really well I thought you know through the thirds we played optionally well we created chances got in between um, the back line which we didn't do too much against Carlisle due to the conditions and I thought as an overall we were in control and when the goal came about you thought you know this could we could go on to, to have a comfortable victory here but first 25 minutes we looked really good and you probably can't argue that we deserve the lead completely I think without being massively spectacular we were completely in control of the game um uh got a foothold in midfield I thought quite early on um they didn't look up too much and and it, I I you know I sometimes get a gut feeling about a game and my gut feeling then was we were going to go on and score the first goal and dominate and and then we scored the first goal and and didn't and it was very strange but yeah we, we were well in control of it and it wasn't a surprise when we took the lead and looked very very comfortable uh, James, it was a decent goal, wasn't it? A very decent um, cross in by Dembele, and obviously that man Rose wasn't picked up, and he made sort of no mistake. Is it is it a concern the fact that I think the predominantly other than Beasley's sort of couple in the league, um, the goals are not really coming from elsewhere? And although we we love Rhodes in our team, and he and he can't sort of not be dropped at the same time. If he does go in January, it causes a massive concern at the moment because not only are we not winning games consistently, we're also relying on a single striker to sort of get all of our goals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like without Rhodes, like where would we be? Um, if he goes back in January, we're going to have a big problem because how do you just replace those goals? Um, yeah, we've got Lavery and Kouassi to come back from injury, but uh, whether they'd score like Rhodes does, I, I don't think so. Um, we need other people scoring, but to do that, you need the whole team functioning well. And quite rarely do we ever function well as a whole team, certainly not for a whole whole game so yeah we need midfielders to start chipping in with more goals someone like Carey he should be a goal scoring midfielder really and he doesn't really add many goals yeah well it's that's factual isn't it so I tend to agree with you I thought although his performances are decent we've got a, a select few players in the midfield who are putting in decent games but at the same time we're not we're not sort of waltzing away days we're not controlling those sort of games and we're good in spells but as an overall we we look vulnerable and and when we look vulnerable the defense looks even worse um and that didn't speak true of martin with cambridge's first you can argue there's a bit foul in the build-up so on and so forth but through ball played um down the left and it it was a bit of a calamity wasn't it because freeze framed the all the defenders putting their hands up and hubby curving his body to try and play him off. He was a yard ahead of the Blackpool defence, wasn't on song. And I think hubby had a, one of his poorer games, um, um, which combined with Northampton, probably his worst two games for, for, for Blackpool. Um, he wasn't with the Blackpool defence, which held a fairly good line. Um, and he was actually onside. So what frustrated me more about that situation, not only did hubby play him offside and turned his head to the right and you know just screamed he was offside, the whole of Blackpool's back line all put their hands up instead of sprinting for the ball. And if Pennington sprints for the ball instead of focusing on putting his hands up, he gets back and gets possessed of the forward, in my opinion, or at least put to block in. Um, and it's really naive, really 
you know, unprofessional in some respects. You know, the basics, the games are played to the whistle and I've, just shows a little bit about Blackpool's season there and that sort of singular moment because obviously what followed that was the cross into the box and somewhat of a scuff, but, you know, they, they, they eventually poked the ball home, but it was messy from our half when we prided ourselves at the start of the season on being so good defensively. What did we say last week about the key to Blackpool's success? And we all said it about concentrating and being concentrated at the back and defending well, because if we're defending well, um, I don't see teams ripping us to bits. I don't see teams opening us up through superb play at most of the teams in this league. You have to, you're going to have to earn goals against us. But when we defend like that, you don't have to work very hard to score against us. And it's a total contrast to the start of the season where we were solid and not scoring goals. We've now turned into a fairly decent attacking team and our goals return has shown that recently. But when we get it wrong defensively, we're looking utter shambles and we shouldn't look an utter shambles against the likes of Cambridge. And I'm sorry, but it was a... It, totally illustrated what we said last week that if we don't concentrate we're going to find it difficult to win games because we we just can't afford to defend like that and at the moment we switch off because that, that goal wasn't even coming was it it was totally out of the blue it was just an all-round awful bit of play Ad, added as well overall by by a, a pretty crap refereeing performance i've got to say mr what was his name breakspear and he won't be on any blackpool fans christmas card list this year because he was awful but but even so, you have to defend properly, and we didn't. It was it was beyond naive, in my opinion. I think last week I really liked your point because me and Kurt talked about why Blackpool need or so how Blackpool be consistent before the Northampton game, or just after the Northampton game. Sorry, and before this game, I thought you raised a really excellent point. And I subscribe to that point because a key to any side, like you say, is concentration. But that was beyond concentration for me. It was just stupid. Um, and we've got such intelligent defenders in our in our ranks, Pennington being one of them. I, I just don't see why he didn't just put his head down and go for the ball and just wait for the flag himself in terms of his own head if he thought he was offside. From Pennington's line, he was offside, but he obviously didn't see Hubby because you know he he wasn't up to up to the speed of the game and the defence just looked horrific. Um, and James' second goal came along not too soon after, and um, another appalling decision to what was that with our ex backball player Sully Kaikai. The ball bounced to the ground, although it was an excellent pass in behind um, to put him through. Clearly hit his hand. How the game wasn't stopped at that point, I don't know, but nonetheless played a decent ball behind where the Blackpool fans weren't alive to it, and it was 100% a penalty. Um, you know, Grimmy brings him down and, and and they dispatch the penalty and it and it just made the, the first sort of 20 minutes go away in my head and just thought, what is what is happening to Blackpool this season? Because, you know, that 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 spate of 20 minutes plays conceding those two goals just was so unlike Blackpool and actually felt to me that we got progressively worse because we went from controlling the game to, to going at the second half being 2-1 down. Yeah, like, it's just silly, isn't it? Like, you can't rely on the refs in this division to get things right. Like, all too often you see them getting it wrong. You have to play to the whistle. Um, and the defending is just bizarre at times. Like, why are we getting carved open by simple balls uh, over the top? Um, like we, As you said, we need to concentrate. Um, and I think we also need to be resilient as well, really. Like, whenever it's not going our way, we never really seem to look like we're going to fight back and, and, and come and make a difference. We need some real leaders in there that are going to, to step up and carry us when it's not really going our way. And there's just not enough players like that in the team, in my opinion. Yeah, Martin, there's just a point on the defence as well. And it's a really good point, um, James. But just to, to emphasise the defence, we play three centre-backs in League One. 
I could argue that it makes us potentially worse. Cheltenham, I think, what, bottom of the league? Uh, yeah, they are bottom of the league. They've conceded 30. We've conceded 27. So outside of the top 10, Cheltenham 10th, 28 goals conceded. Blackpool then 27 goals conceded. And yes, we've scored a fair few this season, but and we've got you know a fairly good goal difference, but that was only because of decent victories against the likes of your Reddings, your, your Shrewsbury, your Carlisles, where we've con- you know we've scored decent amount of goals at home and not conceded, of course, or against Reading we did, but it, home home form in terms of scoring it is obviously propping our position up in the league, but three goals less than Cheltenham who are bottom. Um if it weren't for those home games at home, uh, sorry, home games in those decent victories, I don't, I don't know where we'd be in the league in terms of in terms of our position. But we very much are not resilient or solid at the back, and the, and the and the continuation of this system is beginning to well has grinded on us all season, hasn't it? Because we haven't really looked incredible in in, a, in in many games this season. And like I said, it's it's twenty seven goals now, and with the quality we have on the pitch, it's unacceptable in my opinion. It is. No, it is. It is. Because um, at the start of the season, we were getting, as I said before, we were getting clean sheets, and but at the expense of an attacking threat. And then we seem to have got the balance right around about October, November time, early November. But it, it, it now seems to have gone in a totally different direction where, where the, you know, against Northampton, they were so leaky at the back and looked so brittle and so, and so vulnerable. But I still can't get my head around whether it really is the formation or whether it's just a mentality issue. You know, as as uh, as James has rightly said, resilience, leaders. We have got people who can lead in there, but where are they? Because they still have plenty of time on Saturday to come back. Yes, I, I agree with you. The second goal is a shambles, refereeing wise. But they have plenty of time to come back. But the, the, I I don't I don't have much faith in us coming back from deficits very often. We don't seem to. We seem to just feel sorry for ourselves. You need to be better than that. We had enough of that in the championship last season. I thought we'd, I thought we cracked it six weeks ago. We just said we cracked it, but we haven't. I, I don't like, and maybe I'm naive to, to sports and 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 mentality, but I don't like the. It's going to take a while for us to recover um, from last season because, as a player, you've you, you've had a summer. You've had. You know, we've been in the top top six a couple of times this season. We've won games comfortably. So when we're winning comfortably against poor opposition, is, is that's not mentality issues. You know how to win games then. And what when we go one 0 behind, are we are we suddenly going? Oh my god! Remember last season? Oh, we we're going to lose this game now because we don't know how to win. It's just it's just absolutely bizarre. And for me, and um, we'll come on to it in a, in a second in terms of the games we've played this season and and honestly where we, we, we see this team because we're now just about halfway through um, the season and we've played a couple of more than others around us and we still sit quite outside the playoffs, don't we? But um, in terms of the first half, you're absolutely right, Martin. I mean, their, their goal obviously came a bit later on in the second half, of course, like on, basically on the stroke of half-time, but we have, we've had a whole half um, to sort of kind of put it right and and Critch to sort of get his get his ducks in a row and, and make us better in the second half. But in the first half, fairly even possession wise, fifty one percent we had. Our expected goals was zero point three. We created very little shots from outside the area, although they had eight shots five on target. 
Um, I think four or five of them came from outside the area. Um, I know, um, do you remember Dembele's one? I think just after their first, the keeper made an outstanding save. To be fair, it came from a corner, jinked inside the middle, and he went bottom left. And to be fair to the keeper, he's made a cracking save. Otherwise, we might have built a little bit of momentum from there. Mm. Um, you know, we didn't... Yeah, I'm going through his stats now, but in terms of expected goals... Um, 0.3, which means we created very little in terms of other than pot shots from outside. Second half um, saw very much the same trend, really. Um, James, we had 70% possession. Expected goals was double at 0.63, so we didn't really create any incredible chances, I think, apart from, was it Joseph's volley that went just just wide in the second half um, towards the sort of back post? Um, we didn't have any shots on target in the second half. We created very little um, and we didn't seem to, like Martin's just alluded to, we didn't have a leader on that pitch to drag us through that game. And I want to talk a little bit about Ollie Norburn in a second um, because he was, for me, one of the most frustrating players on the pitch. But overall, as a team, um, in that second half, we didn't come out. We didn't make any changes in that second half. And that, that pulls down to me, the, man, uh, the manager, in my opinion. He's got the ability to, to have an impact on the game and he leaves it quite late to make changes again. But the, the second half as an overall, um, I can't speak of any flash events apart from, you know, their sending off, um, which was deserved. But it, it, it didn't make us any better. It didn't seem to build any momentum, James, in terms of they've got 10 men on the pitch. Let's try and create something. What I saw from a Blackpool side was a team that's keeping the ball in a very comfortable way. You saw them pinging out left to right to get crosses into the box. But it, in my opinion, that is just playing into Cambridge's hand and many organised managers such as Neil Harris, any organised teams such as your Northamptons of the world, your Cambridges of the world, you know, even your Wiggins of the world, if you're going to do that. I know we didn't against them with with the 4-0 victory, or 4-1, uh, sorry, 2-1 victory against Wigan, where we played decent football and made lots of chances. We didn't really just loop the ball into the box. We played through the thirds. We had a really good impact on the game in that game. But in this game in particular, we, we pinged the ball out, crossed it in, and just allowed their centre-backs to there out left, right and centre. And did we really carve them open at any point? Did we really look like we were going to score at any point? And the answer to that is no. Um, I don't know your thoughts on the second half, but I thought it was I thought it was unacceptable in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. There was one good chance that Rhodes had that you would have thought he would usually bury, really, but he's not going to score every chance he gets. Um, at the end of the day, like if they're just going to sit behind the ball and we're going to have the ball, I think it was 70 percent possession, we need to have quality yeah. on the ball. Um and like, I know CJ divides opinion. My opinion is he's he's not very good. Um, certainly not in terms of having the ball. Um, he, he's all right if he can run onto it and use his pace. But in a game like that we just had, where we've got the ball, if you keep passing it to CJ, he's going to lose it more often than not because um, he can't get in behind. They're just sitting there doing nothing. You, you need people that are going to have quality on the ball. Um, that can move it quickly and you need people that are going to move around and we just didn't do that enough, I don't think. Um, it certainly needed some substitutes. I, like, I don't know what Critchley is doing half the time with the substitutes. He, he, he's quite good at setting up a game, but I feel like when it comes to trying to impact a game or make a difference, he very rarely does that, uh, only when he has to. Um, he, it's almost like he scripts the substitutes before the game even begins. Like he, he's got a plan. Like on this X time, I'm going to bring this certain person on for this person, which is just not a very good way of doing things when you're not winning the game. But yeah, for, uh, for that game, I feel like we needed to, to bring on some quality. Uh, we needed to get some good balls into the box and make life difficult for them. But um, we didn't do that. They just they could have sat there all night, and I don't think we would have scored. 
Yeah, it was Rhodes. Thanks for correcting me. With that chance in the back post, he's kind of side foot a little wide. But like you say, you can't can't criticise him. Um, without him this season, we'll probably be in a relegation fight, and that's not an exaggeration. But Martin, um, um, we're, we're, is James right with that previous point? We, we bring on Carl Joseph and Jordan Gabriel. Changing personnel for personnel, not the system, of course. Um, Joseph should have been on a lot quicker, potentially even to start the game. Beasley's not having the impact he previously was. I think he, he doesn't play exceptionally badly to the point where you're like, get him off. But at the same time, you need a striker partnering Rhodes to have a much bigger impact on the game, in my personal opinion. Um, Joseph couldn't really settle into the game, could he? Because we, we, we pinged the ball wide and we didn't actually get it into his feet that much and, and play the ball in behind, allow him to run onto it. And he often found himself drifting into the middle slash left-hand mm. side of the pitch to try and pick up the ball and have an impact on the game. So, in my opinion, he's got to start on Saturday due to that um, and give him the opportunity to really impact the game with Rhodes. And um, Joseph um, Gabriel comes on at the 64th minute. And once again, he ignores the... Uh, creativity of Albie Morgan. Um, he comes on on the 82nd minute when we desperately needed um, some changes in the game, some difference of attack, some you know some creativity in terms of pinging balls into the into the box through the middle or playing it in from behind. He offers that. Um, we're becoming this team which is easy to play against, in my opinion. It's predictable and it's slow. And you said you don't know if it was the system previously or, or just the mentality but for me if you haven't changed your system once this season then you can't continue to believe it's the right thing to play but in, in my in my personal opinion mm. we got criticized on the pod before for saying should we really um should you really play 442 or 433 uh, my answer is play 532 james has just said is excellent at, at setting up games and we often are fairly decent in the first 15 20 minutes but when the going gets tough the whole team gets going in my you know my personal opinion because there's there's no fight or leaders in there and to not go to a 442 or 433 or 4231 or anything like that where we can use the players that we have, such as Hamilton, who's not a wing back, who's proved time and time again, he will sit out wide, get the ball and lose it. Gabriel showed against Forrest Green those added dimensions he adds to the team in terms of runs in behind, he gets a goal, of course. Um and it's just it's just lazy management in my opinion. It's not meticulous at all. Um yeah. I, I think you have to have the ability to change it. And I think the, the way I described it to my friend when I was watching the game on Saturday was we just take the coward's way out all the time. The, the, the way I describe it is when we the, the, the first half against Fleetwood away was exactly the same. On paper, it looked like we were kind of attacking quite a bit, but we just got, we literally, we just, we just, we just got it out wide and tried to cross it and we were completely ineffective at doing it. And Cambridge is one of those games where you needed to, right, We've, we've tried this for 20 minutes in the second half. It's clearly not working. We can't get behind them because of the way they're defending. We need to try and go through the middle. But to go through the middle, you need bravery. And Albie Morgan has got that ability, I think, to pick a pass and thread something through to someone like Joseph. Um, you can't just rely on it. And why Crixley can't, and I, you know, I've said this millions of times, and I still say it now, I'm a huge Crixley fan, but I always thought he was a fairly flexible tactician. So, so you change it to four three three. If you were playing football manager and you were playing three five two, and with twenty minutes to go, it wasn't working. You go right, okay, I'll 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 adopt tactic B, which is four three three, and you try and do that. Now I know life it doesn't work like that, but he surely has a second setup that they use in training where he can go right. 
Forget that spare man at the back. Don't need it anymore. We're losing the game. Let's get an extra man up front and, and try a different way of playing. But it's just like kind of hoping it'll work, which I think he's better than that. So, yeah, maybe it is laziness. I don't know. It's not effective, though. Talking of leaders on the pitch, James, and, and, and sort of dragging us through games, Dougal has added that in the in the last few weeks, which you already said. But I want to talk about Ollie Norburn. I don't know how you felt he played. Um, he recovered the ball nine times. He was fairly decent in the air in terms of winning the ball. But his, he's, um, I don't know the best way to describe this, quite really cagey in the middle, doesn't really offer another dimension recently, or obviously he's been injured, but in this game, he makes a couple of really bad fouls. He then gets booked. He then tells the ref to F off. He then waves his hand up in the air, which we saw um, on Saturday, you know, um, a Man United player gets sent off and a few others get booked through descent, wasn't it? Um, and uh, literally after getting the yellow card, he then waves his hand up in the air, points to the ref. For me, it's a send and off. If that is the rule he's sent off. He, he lost his head a couple of times in the game and he, for me, was one player that I've openly said on the pod is an unbelievable signing. But Saturday kind of just summed up he's getting more frustrated in this team than, than a few other players potentially. But it's just it's just poor from him, in my opinion. I think it needs calling out a little bit. I don't know how you felt. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. His stats say he had a fairly decent game. But for me, he wasn't a leader amongst men. He wasn't a leader for Kerry. He wasn't showing the leadership that Rhodes does in terms of scoring his goals and talking to the team. He wasn't talking to the players in and around him. Was just acting quite angry and actually quite childish. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, for me, he just looks sluggish. I feel like he's been out for a while. Um, he wasn't up to the pace of the game, um, and he, he he is a bit cavemanish in that he, I feel like he will get quite stuck in. Certainly, more than some other people. Um, well, I think that can be can be useful, but maybe we didn't quite need that for this game. Again, we had a lot of the ball in the second half. We needed someone that can pick a pass. Like maybe we could have got Morgan on for him earlier, playing as sort of a deep line playmaker, really, instead of uh, a sort of a defensive midfielder. Um, and that might have been the change that we were just talking about that we needed. Um, that might have worked. But yeah, I, I think Norburn is a good player. I think he is a leader. Um, I just feel like he's been injured. He's been sluggish from that. Um, and once he gets going again, I, I think he'll be good. I think he had a slow start to the season as well, trying to fit into the formation, especially with Marv at the back, because he kept dropping so deep. He was almost like another defender. But yeah, I think he'll be good going forwards. Fair enough. Well, I'll spend the last couple of minutes before we in- introduce Ollie um, for, the, for the Bristol Rovers preview, just going through our results this season, really, um, and where the season's going, Mark. And I'll come to you in a second, but I'm sorry for reeling off all of our fixtures. But, you know, with. Burton, 2-0, Derby, 2-0, a good start to the season. Then we had the 3 0 nils in a row with Exeter, Port Vale and Leighton Orient. Lincoln was a 3-0 loss, a very typical Blackpool way performance. Then we had Wolves in the Cup. Um, beat Wigan at home, beat Barrow um, in the EFL Trophy. Then lost to Wickham again, a poor away performance. The home win against Reading. Then we had Barnsley, which we thought we turned the tide a little bit. And then a poor performance at Derby at home. Then the Charlton, 2-2. The Stevenage, 3-0. Um, the Oxford, 1-1. Uh, Cheltenham at home, which, you know, other than the first half an hour, was quite a nervy ending with the 3-2. Peterborough at home, which was a shambles of a game un- unless un- until the 20 minutes where Gritchley kind of got forced into a 
four four one, and we actually looked really decent on the attack. Um, then we had the Fleetwood game, which spoke volumes in terms of our season up and down, really clinical, then really poor. Um, Bolton, um, Shrewsbury at home, Portsmouth, which is an exceptional game. Then we've got Northampton, um, and of course the recent game against um, Cambridge uh, after Carlisle's three nil. It, it's been somewhat of a truly inconsistent season, Martin. And from those games, um, you could argue where Critchley's made substitutions in the Oxford game, um, which has really changed the game in the 1-1, which we should have argue, arguably gone on to win. Portsmouth, Stevenage, um, you know, first half performance against, or second half performances against the likes of Wigan, Redden, and teams we should be beating in Shrewsbury, etc. There hasn't been a consistent run of games where we've been exceptional this season which I suppose poses a question before we bring in Ollie is where are we going this season in terms of this system and where are we get, where is Critchley going with this team? Because if this continues and the up teams around us win and win their games, you could see us eight to 10 points away from the playoffs halfway through the season with no real momentum being built at any point. It is frustrating. Um, in terms of exceptional performances, I'd, I'd, I know exactly what you mean. I don't know how many exceptional performances... It'd be interesting is it, to ask all the fans of all the other clubs in our league how many times they've been exceptional. And probably with the with the exception of Portsmouth and Bolton and maybe a couple of others, they probably all say the same thing because it's a bit of a muchness and it can be up and down. I think our problem is, is not lack of exceptional performances. It's lack of grinding out results when not playing well. I feel like we have to play really well to win a game. And I think we've lost too, too many at this stage. I look at, we've lost seven games. If we'd have lost five and had about four more points, we'd still be saying we were set fairly well. Um, without being without pulling up any trees half the time, I just I think it's that consistency of saying right, when we're not playing well, we just need to grind out a result like Saturday. If we got yeah. a two-two draw on Saturday, it would have been great, but it would have been something. But but I think that comes back down to the point we were just talking about of a lack of resilience and leadership. You need to be able to get through difficult times, and we seem to struggle to do that. It's either everything's great and the opposition aren't very good, and we sail through it, or we really struggle. And I, and I think I think you know we we should have we should have blindfold we should have, we should have another six seven points on the board without playing very well, you know, and then sets us up nicely for the second half of the season. But we're playing catch up now, and I know exactly what you mean. If we have a, a dodgy Christmas, we're, we're going to be right behind the eight ball in terms of getting anywhere near where we want to be this season. It's that's not good enough. Yeah, well, we we we're, we're through that. I mean, we haven't played the, the many games that we have all in a row of course but we're deep into December now going into the new year with a few games coming up and like you say a few more poor results will, will lead us in mid-table once everyone's played all their games we probably will be around 12 to 13 in my in my opinion exceptional is probably the wrong word to use um, but you get my point when you look at our squad on paper and I'll, I'll bring Ollie in to see what he thinks about our, our team in a second but People think we're somewhat lead one mediocrity. Some people think we should be up, you know, up there in the top four. I think if you look at our players on paper with the depth we've got, we should be performing a lot better than what we have. And like you say, it's those games against Northampton and Cambridge and um, Wickham and a few others where we just haven't settled and we've also failed to look like we are going to get back into the game. And yes, Fleetwood scored a decent third goal, but we should never have been in the position where we were two 0 down in the first half because we can't, we you know, we can't play away from home and. I don't know whether it's the players not stepping up and I don't know whether it's the managers. It's probably a combination of two. We've said it before. I've said it a hundred times and make it criticised for repeating myself, but I can't see how you can continue to play a system with three centre-backs in League One 
we did it against Forest Green, although we won 3-0. Why are we playing three centre-backs against Forest Green and why didn't you try anything um, experimental in that game as an example? He's going he's gonna to stick to it, but maybe, you know, within that system itself, you've got to then try different things. You've maybe got to try not starting Hamilton and start Gabriel. You've then got to, you know, you've got to try something different. Um, when we have looked good, it's when Hamilton's dropped in between the, the, the defenders rather than hanging out on the on the wing. And, you know, we, we've played the ball through the middle. Or we've tried some interchanges within the middle of the pitch rather than pinging out wide. The shape can be fine, but when your players are just not doing anything in that system and then the three centre-backs are left just to stand there and and at some points just maybe getting each other's way like Saturday proved, it was just, it's just poor. I think Critchley's got to have a real hard think about how he wants to set up in the future If because um, we can't continue to say it's not good enough when we're 30 games into a season and, and 10 points away because that's where it's heading at this current moment. And we go into Saturday needing another win and against a team that's that's building a lot of momentum. So let me bring in Oli um, uh, from Bristol Rovers. Um, how you doing, Oli? You all right? Hi, lads. Yeah, all good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you've joined us on a, on a fairly negative podcast in terms of trying to sort of dissect what's going wrong at Blackpool in terms of how our performances are having on the pitch. Although we sit eighth, we're obviously five points away and there's teams in and around us sort of building a little bit of momentum. But um, first of all, just, just, just for the It's Not Orange podcast listeners, just introduce yourself and your podcast if you like. Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm Ollie. I'm the host of Gascast podcast. Um, so we're obviously a Bristol Rovers pod. Uh, we've been going about eight years now, I think. So yeah, I've been doing this quite a long time. Um, started off just me and my mate in our sort of in our bedrooms on our laptops and stuff. Uh, there's now a group of about five or six of us that do it. And we record every episode in person. Now we record at a pub just down the road from the Mem, the Rovers ground. Um, yeah, love it. So my dad started taking me to Rovers when I was about four or five. Um, I don't, obviously, I don't remember it that well at that time, but apparently I used to hate it. used to come in and moan to my mum that my dad was dragging me along to the football. used to find it boring and cold and what have you. And then, yeah, 25 years later, here we are, and I'm absolutely obsessed with it. So, yeah, that's it, really. Yeah, and talk, talk, talk to us about your season so far. Obviously, a topsy-turvy season with a new manager at the helm now, but um, are you happy with your season so far? Or is it another frustrating start to League One? Um, I think reasonably happy yeah obviously the change in manager that happened back in october i think it was now when joey barton got sacked um changes everything really in terms of you lose all that stability the squad is very much a joey barton recruited squad and it was barton's second season in league one having taken us up from league two the year before so and it was also a largely a joey barton recruited coaching staff about four or five maybe more of our coaches were all brought in by Barton a lot of them have left since the new manager Matt Taylor's come in so it's just been a lot of upheaval really and I think for a lot of people now whereas previously we were hoping this would be a playoff pushing season and it still could be we're not massively out far out, far outside the playoffs sorry I think expectations have lowered a bit whereas now a lot of fans would probably be quite happy with kind of finishing mid-table. I think we'd like to finish in the top half of the table, sort of 10th, around that sort of spot. I think we'd be quite happy with that. Let Taylor assess the squad ahead of the summer, where I think he'll do a lot of recruitment himself and bring in a lot of his own players um, and then go again and pro- have a proper push at it next season, I think. The Barton sacking did change a lot. So, yeah, but reasonably happy with where we sit at the moment. 
Uh, hard not to talk about Joey Barton at the moment, isn't it? He's obviously made in a name for himself <laughs> in, in the last week or so. Um, yeah. You've only lost six this season, and I suppose it's the not turning draws into wins and obviously recovering points from being in losing positions and your draws because you've won seven, drawn seven, lost six. So you could say it's been been a not frustrating season, so to speak, but at the same time, like you say, that the playoffs are nowhere near um, out of your reach. You sit five points away from Blackpool as an example, but you've got two games in hand and this game Saturday, if you, if you managed to win, puts you sort of in the driving seat to be sort of in your own fate, really. And obviously I'm not saying you, you're going to do that in terms of this season, but you're nowhere near sort of having an average season. Like you say, it, it could be a, a much better second half of the season under, under the under Taylor. Yeah, I think that's the hope. Um, Taylor will have had five or six games before the January transfer window opens next month to have a look at the players, assess the squad. Uh, January is always a hard, as I'm sure you you lads know, a hard window to recruit in. You know, you never really see typically four or five in, four or five out. It's it's sort of one or two in, one or two out really um, in that month. So I can't see a lot. But yeah, I think we'd all be quite happy with a bit more consistency i guess in in results going forwards and just as i said pushing into that top half anywhere around 10th 9th we'd snap your hand off for it i think but like you say if we can win on saturday at your place and get a few good other results over the christmas period we have got a really tough run over christmas so it's i think it's kind of make or break this next month for our playoff hopes and if they will still be playoff hopes come February, because we are playing you lot, Pompey, Charlton. Um, I think we've got Wickham then in the new year. So we've got a really tough little period. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where we are come the other side of it. And I think, as I said, going into February, I think we'll know whether or not it's kind of an all right, we'll settle for mid table and go for it next year. Or, you know, we've got a, a bit of a sniff at this. Let's have a bit of a push for the last couple of months of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I sort of said it earlier, you haven't really had a horrendous season in terms of your results. You haven't actually had a really bad sticky patch, but you also haven't gone on that winning run. So like you say, a bit more consistency. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your manager um, and your last result, because obviously um, a fantastic victory um, away from home at Bolton in the last game. Um, Grant Ward's been on Instagram sort of celebrating a couple of uh uh, with a couple of pictures and stuff, obviously an ex-Blackpool player, which we'll come on to in a minute. Um, but it just shows your potential of this team. I know Bolton have been a bit sketchy at home this season, not always had the same, you know, the performance that they'd like. But nonetheless, it's it's a result which, you know, you know, let's get it right, shocked a few, but also um, was a real sort of uh, feather in the cap for 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 Taylor. And what what's he his what's he brought in since coming in and. and I suppose you can surmise where it went kind of wrong with Joey Barton um, at the same time, if you can. Yeah, I think he, he seems to have simplified everything is probably the best way I would put it, which obviously doesn't sound kind of that sexy or revolutionary, but I think he's just looked at a few players and simplified their games and simplified their roles. Um, Barton very much was in the... The, the sort of Man City school of trying to play it out from the back at all times and racking up 60-odd percent possession in every game and was very, very heavily focused on possession being the sort of number one goal. Obviously, getting goals from that. But to be honest, a lot of the times with Barton, it would end up being sterile possession. And we'd go through games having 60, 65% of the ball and have one shot on target at the end of a game. And it was incredibly frustrating um, to watch. And I think what Taylor's done, 
he's by no means going route one, but we are, we're not afraid now to at times go a little bit more direct if we need to and play it into John Marquis and get the knockdowns off of him. We are still playing out from the back quite a bit, but I think we're just mixing our game up more and being a bit more efficient with our possession. It's not sort of possession for possession's sake, which is how it felt under Barton at times. We're just, we're having less of the ball now for sure, but doing more with it when we have it. He's also changed the system from, uh, so we were playing a back four under Barton, 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. He's now switched to wing backs. So the last two games, Crew away in the FA Cup and that Bolton win that you talk about, he switched to sort of a 3-4-1-2 with a number 10 behind two strikers up top. Um, and that seems to be working really well, seems to suit the squad that we've got. Um, so yeah, a couple, couple of changes, I guess. Um and yeah, that win at Bolton, I, we needed it because Taylor's first game was a home match against the team actually escapes me now, either Stevenage or Orient, one of those two. Um, and it was awful. It was absolutely abysmal. We played so poorly and it wasn't the kind of start of a new era feel you usually get from a new manager's first game. It was really, really flat um, and kind of knocked our confidence a little bit. Um, but yeah, that Bolton win and the performance, it wasn't just a win. We deserved to get that victory as well. The the performance was fantastic. So I think it's got everyone who was a little bit doubtful kind of on board with Taylor now and what he's trying to do here. Yeah, it's hard to kind of doubt a new manager, isn't it? When he's only just sort of come in, come in as well. I know, yeah. I know it's October, but that, at the same time, it does take time. And when you've got such a... Uh, I don't know, hangover from the previous manager. And as you say, it was none of his staff. It was none of his players and, and it was none of his recruitment. So he's, like you say, I like what he's done so far and changing the system slightly to get the best out of your team. That of Collins is an example. Um, you just look frightening on, on, on the counter-attack and you, and you look very good in possession at points as well. Um, joy to have you on Saturday. Um, <laughs> but that... that, that um, you alluded to already, obviously changing the system to sort of three, four, one, two, etc. Um, talk to us now about your key players because obviously I mentioned Collins already, but um, how was Grant sort of Ward settled down? Because I know he was he signed under Barton, didn't he, on a free? Um, yeah, um, obviously at the start yeah. of the season, but a horrific injury for Blackpool. But at points in the in the League One season when we got promoted, him and Kenny Dougal in the middle when they were on song were outstanding. They balanced each other out really well. And I, I like Ron Ward as, a, as an engine. I like him winning the ball back. He was just plagued by injuries with us and didn't find a consistent run of form. So I think Blackpool fans are interested how he's getting on, but also your key players in and around the squad to look out for on Saturday. Yeah, sure. I'll start with Grant Ward. Absolutely love the bloke. And I think a lot of Rovers fans um, would echo those thoughts as well. So he signed, I believe it was in January last season under Joey Barton. As you said, he was just coming off the back of rehabbing from a really serious long-term injury. So I think, to be honest, we all kind of expected him to come in and break down quite quickly again and us not really see too much of him because he hadn't had a pre-season um, with you guys either because of that injury. But he did actually manage to stay fit for the majority of the second half of last season, was one of our best players in the second half of, of that season. Um, we, we weren't great, to be honest, in, in the last six months of the season, but he was one of our better players. And this season, you can really see the benefit of him having had a, a full preseason, which he stayed fit for the majority of. Um, and he's been one of our, yeah, probably one of our top three players this season, I would say. Um, just fantastic. As you say, he's such a an engine room in the middle of the pitch, covers every blade of grass. I, I like that he's kind of your 
typical old-fashioned box-to-box centre midfielder where he can do good work at both ends of the pitch. He can put tackles in, interceptions, but also he can get up the other end, get assists, get a goal, um, put some sort of good three balls through to the strikers. He got the assist for the first goal away at Bolton on um, Saturday with an, a brilliant crossing from the right-hand side. He was probably one of our, yeah, maybe our man of the match away at Bolton, actually, in that last game. He's formed a really good partnership with Sam Finley in the middle. Um, they're kind of our main two in the midfield. Yeah, Grant Ward has been absolutely superb for us. And just the thing is with him, you always expecting him to pick up an injury because I know his whole career really up to this date has been plagued by that. So I'm just really hoping, touch wood, that he can stay fit because, uh, yeah, just love what he's done so far. Um, in terms of other key players... Probably Connor Taylor at the back is one of them. Uh, so he's a young centre back we signed from Stoke. He's six foot seven, six foot eight, I believe. Uh, yeah, big old unit. Um, good on the ball, quick. Yeah, just he's an absolute rock for us at the back, and he's young as well. So he's someone that we hope to sell for quite a bit of money in the future. I think going forwards. Um, other key players probably Anthony Evans. He's a sort of number ten centre attacking midfielder who plays behind the strikers in this 3-4-1-2. He's the one that sits behind the front two. Um, he scored two in his last two games. He's got a few assists this season as well. He was one of our key players in the League Two promotion season. He got about 10 assists and eight goals, got really good numbers. Last season, not so much. He was played a bit deeper. He's kind of played of a number eight last season. So you got more of the sort of defensive side of his game out from him last season. But like I said, yeah, he's back as a number 10 now. And he's the sort of creative hub of our team, I guess. Um, yeah, really good stuff from him. And then, yeah, probably Aaron Collins would be the other one. But I don't know. He's having a funny a funny period, really. He was superb. The first six months of last season, he looked like a championship player. I think he got to the new year last season and he'd got double figures goals and double figures assists. He was just on on flames. We were expecting to lose him to a championship club last January. He didn't go. We then probably thought he'd go again in the summer, just gone, didn't go again, still with us. I don't know if that's maybe affected him. Um, some games he doesn't just doesn't look 100% like his head's in the match. But again, he is picking up goals and assists, not to the same rate as he did last season, but he is still getting, you know, getting those uh, vital goal contributions. So yeah, he's probably one of our other key members, I'd say. I remember when Blackpool signed Mr. Evans and we thought we were onto a, onto a winner, but he Martin he didn't really set any world light with us, did he? Um, he remains one of the worst players I've ever seen put a tangerine shirt on, and he's amongst a very <laughs> stiff competition. But he was a young kid. Um, he, he was dreadful. He was one of those, you know, when he got substituted, everyone cheered. I felt a bit sorry for him, and clearly he went off yeah. and took his own path for a bit and went over to Germany and he's come back and now he's a more rounded player. But for us, he was like, um, he was just awful. I felt very sorry for him. We've seen a lot of that, you know, Premier League loanees come in and then they're not cut out for it. They need to go away, develop and then have a have another go. And they, and they obviously settled in with you. Um, and uh, I was going to say Sam Finley as well. Um, I saw a lot of him play for uh, uh, AFC Fylde when he, when he mm. was here, um, down the road from, from here. Um, a good, tidy player. I, I didn't know if he was a, kind of a you know a league one player but he's he's shown clearly he's a key player for you guys yeah i don't think we were convinced whether he was a league one player or not to be honest uh, but he's made the step up really well he, he can be quite inconsistent you know he'll have in five games he'll have two poor ones 
an average one and then two great ones. And it's a little bit frustrating, but I suppose it's why he's with us. You know, he'd be in the championship if every game was his top level performance. But I went away to, um, we played Derby last month and he absolutely just ran the game there on a nice big pitch. Um, He just controlled the game. He was absolutely superb. But then again, he followed it up with a couple of poor ones and we were all starting to think, oh, you know, is he really cut out for League One? Is it time to replace him? But then again, we go away to Bolton on Saturday, probably man of the match, just ran the game again and again, another big stadium, another big pitch, just seems to suit him, those those sorts of games really, uh, where he's got space to operate in. And he was just absolutely class. Yeah, again, another one kind of like Ward where he can get his foot in a bit too much sometimes. He's got a bit of a disciplinary uh, issue at times. But yeah, he can get his foot in, um, win in, you know, intercept, intercept the ball at key moments, but also get an assist, chip in with the odd goal. Yeah, just a really tidy all-round player. As I said, the inconsistency is the only thing with him. But yeah, he's with us for a reason, I suppose. Yeah, his stats from Saturday were outstanding. Recovered the ball about 13, 14 mm. times, I think, in the middle and won most of his duels. And like you say, pinged the ball out, I think, 80-odd percent um, pass succession in terms of ticking that ball over midfield. And and like you say, you, you've got the team there to, 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 to set up for. There's no reason in this league, like we've spoke about many a times, to be a consistent team to, to, to get those results and a run together and you've got the team to do that obviously you've got the experience up front like we did with Rhodes in terms of Martin Martin obviously hasn't got that many goals as Rhodes but at the same time is now I think he's still your top goal scorer isn't he so far this season mm. yeah that's goal. right yeah yeah so Martin Martin and John Marquist are kind of rotating John Marquist seems to be the number one choice up front at the minute it was Martin but Marquist has come back in for the last few games and he's got a couple of goals in the last um, couple of games as well so I think he'll probably be starting up front um, at your place on Saturday alongside Collins Um, yeah I mean I don't know on League One in general I don't know what you lads think but it doesn't strike me as a very strong league this season and I think it's what gives me hope that in the second half of the season you don't have to be fantastic to you know really give yourself a good shot of getting into those playoff places because I don't think it, it looks anywhere near as strong as last season's league one where you had three or four clubs at the top there who were quite clearly sort of head and shoulders above everyone else whereas I think this season other than Pompey I don't really think that's the case to be honest and I think all the rest of us are kind of much of a muchness on our day can be anyone else and it, it'll only take one of one of a team like us or yourselves to to put together just a half decent run in the second half of the season. And I think we could be be up amongst it. I think there will be one or two clubs that f- get into the playoffs in League One this season who probably most seasons wouldn't have because I just don't think the, the strength is that good. Um, and, I, and I'm looking at next season as well. You could have the likes of Stockport, Wrexham, Notts County potentially coming up from League Two. And they're all big clubs. They're going to have big budgets, probably match ourselves or more than ourselves. And you you are thinking, oh, bloody hell, it'd be really nice actually to try and get up this season because next season's going to be a bit of a slog looking at the teams that could come up from below us. So, yeah, interesting. Just nice to put a bit of a run together. And I don't see there's any reason why either us or yourselves could have a bit of a crack at it. I've, I've said this, I think episode three or four we're in our 30th episode now um i said there'll be a team like stevenage not not to criticize them but you know like you say that it's a it's a very average league who they sit fourth we looked really good against them in terms of footballing ability but it's a bit like you just alluded to it's 
the reason we're so frustrated and this pod comes across as quite negative this episode is because if you look at our team on on, on paper, including substitutions, they're, they're, in League One, we should be, you know, in that top six quite comfortably. And we just, we have not found that primary routine yet, a bit like yourselves. And Blackpool talk in terms of wanting to be sort of a, a championship club again with with a you know a top six, top eight budget. And we just haven't put in those level of performances which we've shown under Critchley previously or finding those run of games where, as you say, you know, you win a couple, then we lose to Northampton. We beat Portsmouth 4-0 at Fratton Park, yeah. was, as most people know. And then we lose to Northampton. We look like, yes, tired and lethargic. Yeah, don't get me wrong, but it's no excuse to put in performances like we have done. Then we lose to Cambridge on Saturday when we dominated the first 20 minutes. And then we just looked out of ideas, which poses a really good for you. Although our home form is very good in league one this season, we've got yes, 20 odd games to find that form again, but we could find ourselves 10 to 12 points away from the players playing two games ahead of everyone. And that's really difficult to make up. So we just want to see that, that click happen and and we haven't seen that this season. Maybe that's where we are. Maybe we are an average league one side. I just, it frustrates me not because I support Blackpool, but when you look at our players on paper, in my opinion, we should be much more consistent than we are. So we, you might get a really good Blackpool side on Saturday and think, what was he talking about? But then you watch mm. us the following week. We are very bipolar in that respect. So mm. yeah, it's, it's a tough one, but um, have you got any questions for, for Martin or, or James? Um, I guess I would just because I was looking at your guy's squad before you brought me in and yeah just uh, uh, probably six or seven players there that stand out to me just as being you have got a good squad just really solid experienced league one players who've had great seasons either with yourselves or other clubs in the past at this level and some in the championship obviously like Rhodes as well so who are your kind of three standouts I guess that we need to sort of watch out for on Saturday. James, James you're, 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 yeah, you pick one, mate. <laughs> uh, but Dembele for me, that's just an absolute wizard. Um, really tricky little player. If he's on form, which he usually is, he'll make your life hard. Um, he can just move the ball around really nicely, pick out some great passes. Uh, his dribbling is second to none, really, in this league. Um, and if if we play well, it'll probably be because of him. He certainly makes other players around him look good. Um, yeah, he's, he's definitely, in my opinion, our, our best player. I would pick, if he plays, yeah, if he plays and he, he decides to give Beasley a rest, because we have Jake Beasley up front, um, who's done what I thought he probably would do recently, where he's just tailed off slightly. And when he tails off, he might go four or five, six without a goal. And I think Kyle Joseph, who we signed for as part of the Jerry Yates deal in the summer, who's had a terrible injury ever since he joined us, and has only been back for the last sort of three or four weeks. I think if he plays a, a regular run of games, he's going to be a threat. I think his movement is excellent. He played really well on Tuesday night, just didn't get the goal that I think his performance deserved. But he he's come for a... We don't know what the fee was, but it's decent. And he's got a lot of pace, a lot of, pace, a lot of trickery, decent movement. I think he would be a threat on Saturday if he plays. Yeah, I'll top, I'll top off the third player. I, I said it last week... Um, and I'll say it this week, if, if he starts, it's, it's, he's going to be a very important player in the middle. And that's Kenny Dougal. He's been exceptional in the, in the last couple of months. And he'll know Grant Ward very well and he'll know him very well because they played together for, for, for a season. So um, it's he's our, he's our key. He's he's the player in the middle, which helps everybody else in the middle. And if we, he doesn't play and all burns off form and, and coming back from injury like he has, 
you will run the middle of the park and therefore create a lot of chances. So Kenny, for me, our defence should be a lot better than they are in terms of the back three. Um, we just look sloppy and, and and naive at the back sometimes. So Pennington is one of my favourite players this season. And for me, Ollie Casey, who was Forest Green's player of the year last year, was our best player before he got sent off at Peterborough and he hasn't really played since. So I think there'll be a few changes at the back on Saturday. Um, Casey coming in, that's for sure. And we'll, we'll hopefully look a lot more solid. But there you go, Dougal Dembele, um and Joseph for ones to look out for. Hopefully Joseph does start as well. So, um, nice. yes. Okay. And sorry to ask another one. Is cool. Critchley under any pressure? Because you guys all do seem quite frustrated. I'm just wondering if if we can come and get the first goal at your places. Would the crowd turn, do you think? Is it at that stage where the crowd sort of gets on the manager and team's backs if you go a goal down at home at this stage? Or is it not quite there yet? I think... I don't. I live in Colchester. I haven't been to many home games this season. I watch all of them back, or I watch them live on day. And I think the fans have been different to what they've been last season. Even in the Championship, we're home to to what was it a few? Well, a few teams when we, when we were losing um, quite significantly. And, and Millwall at home, as an example, there's a few others where we might be losing, but the fans did not stop singing and it was a real raucous atmosphere, wasn't it, Martin? And mm. they haven't been quite the same this season. I don't know if that's due to expectation. Is Critchley under any pressure? He signed a four-year deal um, with yes, us he did, when yeah. he re-signed. A real commitment from Sadler. There'll be some contractual stuff in there, of course. It's Simon Sadler if we're, if we're not performing, but... I don't feel he's under pressure. Don't get me wrong. We sit eighth in the league, um, a bit behind where we need to be, but I don't think anyone's panicking just yet. I think what Blackpool fans want to see is a difference in mentality from the team because we look too easy, too predictable to beat, and we, we can't string four or five games together like your Portsmouth and Oxford have shown this season. I don't know how you feel, Martin, on, on that subject. I think... No, I think the vast majority of the crowd are with him. I think if you look on... <laughs> As usual, if you look at one at one of our message boards <laughs> online, it's it is extremely negative. But I think, it, <laughs> hey, you know that it were football That's fans. His message boards, yeah, exactly right. It's where it's best to avoid them, isn't it, for your mental health? But, but I think, I think even on Tuesday we beat Forest Green, but it but we were a little bit slow out of the blocks and it, a little bit too much. We've been talking earlier on the pod. We we play three at the back, and sometimes do you really need to play three at the back against Forest Green? Who a bit like Carlisle the other week were one of the worst football teams I've seen in the last five or six years at Bloomfield Road. They were utterly, utterly dreadful. And the build-up is a little bit slow when you keep passing it back sideways. But sometimes you have to be a bit more intelligent than that as a football fan. Sometimes you have to go backwards to to obviously to, to, to pick the right pass. And I think the fans get on the back because, um, as Tom said, we're a little bit slow and a bit ponderous and we just need to kind of get out the traps a bit quicker and be a bit more consistent. He's not under any pressure because... Um, the manner in which he left wasn't popular, and then he earned, he tried to earn the trust back, and people accepted him coming back. and And Sadler has given him a four year contract and wants it desperately to work. And he's not going to throw the plan out of the window just because we've had a, a few, you know, an inconsistent first twenty odd games of the season. And there's a hell of a lot of football left. If we finish sixteenth or something disastrous like that, he'd be under pressure then, but not right now. So no, but please don't score the first goal and test it out. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Um, I don't think I have any more questions for you really um, just probably round it off with your expectations and hopes this season and maybe maybe over the next sort of season and a half 
Ollie, you've kind of alluded to so he's solidifying a, a strong finish to the season, but are fans beyond your expectations got, got a better one than that? Um, I think, yeah, I think most fans would settle for mid-table this season and then give Taylor the summer to get some Joey Barton players out who doesn't really suit Taylor's style of play, how he wants to move forward, get some of his own players in. I'm expecting some probably Exeter and Rotherham players who he managed in the past to join in the summer, Um, get an assistant manager in, get a few coaching staff in because we're just so thin on the ground. It is literally a manager and no one else really at the club. Now all the Joey Barton staff have left. So um, yeah, get a few staff members in, get his own players in. And I think next season we would really like to see us have a proper push at the playoffs. So we, we've not finished in the playoffs in League One or the third tier, I think for about 20-ish years. It's a long time since we got in the, the top six of League One. So yeah, I think we've got new owners that came in two or three months ago. They sound like they're willing to splash a bit of cash. We were obviously seconds away, as I'm sure everyone knows, from signing Johnson Clark Harris in the summer from Peterborough for 800k or so, which for us would have just been an astronomically large fee that we've never splashed before. So they do look like they're willing to throw a bit of money about. So who knows if they do that this January and getting a few game changes for us, then we could have a push this season. But I think we're all eyeing next season as the one to have a, a real good go at it. That's fair enough. And does the new manager stop the Johnson Clark Harris deal in January potentially? Because they said they'd probably go go back there and and try and sign him again. Or do you think you're going to move on from from that sort of? Well, from yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. We recorded our last podcast on Monday of this week, and we chatted about that very subject for about 15 minutes on there as to whether we think we'll go back in or not. The rumours are that we will, but that feels more like a club signing to me more than a Matt Taylor signing. Um, so I don't, I don't know how comfortable I feel with that. Obviously if Taylor wants him fine. Yeah. By all means go out and get him. But if it's more so that the board want him and people above Taylor want him, but Taylor's not fussed about him. I, I wouldn't be that keen on that. I think you, you often see obviously things go wrong at clubs when the managers don't have the the pick of the players. So yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see us go back for him because obviously if you've got Johnson Clark Harris up top and you're giving him service, he's going to get you goals. It's just what he does. Um, my one thing would be really that what we're lacking up top is pace. We've got sort of slow-ish target men like Marquis and, and Chris and Martin. Martin. Yeah, yeah. Oh. and we don't really need another one of that type. And JCH at this stage of his career basically is that. You know, when he was with us previously and he was in his early to mid-20s, he had a bit of pace about him. He could run off the shoulder of the last man and get him behind. He's not doing that these days. So, um, yeah, I would like to see us, to be honest, not bring him in and bring in a different type of striker, someone who can stretch a team and offer a threat in behind because it's what we're lacking. It's what we haven't got. And if we go out and spent half a million or whatever Peterborough would ask for JCH in, in January and then still come out the other end of the window without that option, I would feel a bit disheartened, I think. But it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I would love I would have loved him for Blackpool when when you were going to sign him, but as you say now, circumstances change, don't they? And to spend nearly a million mm. on a player which potentially has got a season or two in him, um, you know, don't get me wrong, he'll probably fire you up the league next season if he was to play, but it only takes a bad injury to 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 say goodbye to that million pounds, doesn't it? And then and then you've yeah. kind of like lost out on any, any other targets. But 
No, I'm gonna I'm gonna call that pod. Um, Ollie, thank you so much for giving us a, a decent insight on um, um, on on Bristol Rovers, of course. And um, yeah, f- thanks and good luck for the rest of the season, apart from uh, Saturday, of course. Yeah, no worries, lads. You too. Thanks for having me on. Enjoyed it. No worries, um, James. Thanks for your debut, mate. Hopefully, you come back again in the next couple of weeks. Thanks. And of course, Martin. Uh, uh, thanks again for this evening. Cheers, guys. Ollie, how did we not mention Ian Holloway in this podcast? I know. I've been waiting for it. The Holloway Derby. I know. I know. We've been waiting for it about about our seasons. We didn't mention Ian Holloway. I'll be honest. He was even rumored to get our job when uh, Barton went, but uh, yeah, that didn't happen. But he was he was rumored. I think you need a rest from the spotlight. I think the thing now that now that Barton's gone, you need (laughs) you need a quieter man, don't you? So you can have a bit of a rest from the media spotlight. (laughs) God, yeah, you're not wrong there. Christ, (laughs) I, I could have talked about our. Season so far, Annie and Holloway for about another hour and a half, but I'd like to keep these pods to an hour, and I'm sure in the reverse fixture we can talk a little bit about it, being it Bristol uh, is the home yeah. team, of course. But um, from all of us at the Isn't Orange podcast, it's been 30 episodes and 30, um, 30 fun ones to record, and this will be our last pod before Christmas. So from all of us at the It's Not Orange podcast, have a good Christmas, and we'll see you in the new year.